I'm seeing some glimpses of what I believe that the Lord is doing. And it's the beginning stages of uh, seeing children moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we are seeing it in the core group. Now, I did post a few videos um, where you see children. You see two eight-year-olds. And there was a five-year-old anointing the person with oil, which was actually just adorable. She was... She didn't think that she was being cute. She was on a mission. Um, and these are core children. That is what they, that's what we call them because they are a part of the core group. They come to our core group revival services. Their mothers are in the mentorship and the children and the mothers and all the whole family now, um, they're being trained up in the core group. I'm seeing children moving in this area. Not because I'm over there saying, oh, cast the devil out and say this and say that and do. No, it's because they have been watching. They've been taking notes. They've been in our services. Literally, guys, we can barely get the children to go sit back down in their seats. What I'm saying is um, we have the children in the services with us. We do not do separate child care. Not that I don't believe in that. Not that I don't think that there is a place for that. But in our core revival services, we're in revival. It's not an every Sunday type of thing. You have your every Sunday churches. You have your pastors and uh, staff that will be pouring into you, discipling you. You have Sunday school. You have all that. And then what the core is experiencing is straight up revival. So we have signs, miracles, wonders, deliverance. Schedule is out the door. Uh, program is out the door. Something on my face. Program is out the door. It's just straight, nothing but open heavens. None of us know even what's going to happen in the services. We are literally just going, okay, God, what's next now? Okay, you want to start delivering people? Okay, everybody, we're going to go into deliverance. Okay, God wants us to march around the building. All right, let's march. Let's do a prophetic you know, March. In these services, we always let the children come up to the front. Um, we don't call them up to the front. They just come up to the front. We don't tell them to worship. They just worship because they know how to, they know how to do it. They know how to do it. Amen. They're up there in the front. We're trying to like keep them back off the stage because if we did it, the children would literally bum rush the stage to get up there. Five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds laying, they're on the platform while we're worshiping. They're laying on the platform just trying to just put their hands on the platform, just crying. I'm talking about sobbing under the power and the presence of Almighty God. I'm talking about eight-year-olds speaking in tongues and prophesying. I'm talking about them turning around strategically and finding a core sister who's on the floor crying and then going up to the person and laying hands on the lady and just praying and then sometimes prophesying and sometimes saying, come out. That's what I'm seeing with my own eyes. That's why in the core group, we make room for the kids. We bring them on the platform. We prophesy over the children. We don't just prophesy over the people in the audience who have the biggest tithes and the famous ones that came to sit on the front row. We prophesy over the littlest child. We prophesy over the children. They need ministry. Thank God for the coloring books and all the wonderful skits and everything that you got going on. And we need that too. And I'm not saying it in a negative way. But we have, we've had it up to here with all of that and no power or demonstration. Don't tell the children, well, if you pray for the sick, they'll recover. Show them. Show them. Say, watch this. Who in here is, is sick? Who in here has got pain in their body? Let, let, let's all pray now the prayer of faith. We can move in faith in these things. And speak to the mountain and say, mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. And the mountain will move from here to there and nothing shall be impossible for them. Now that's the word. Now we either have to impart this to the children or we have to play patty cake church games for the rest of our lives here. And then see a whole generation be lost to demons.
not on my watch. Cute stories are not drawing them. Even, listen, I'm gonna say it like this. Sometimes even Bible stories, like you've got to have an anointing with those Bible stories. Let the anointing of God and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, teach the children the Word. Without the Holy Spirit, they cannot comprehend it. You go, well, how could you even say that? Look up that scripture. Go Google it. Go type in. Not able to understand the Word without the Holy Spirit. And look up when Jesus said it. So we pray that the Holy Spirit will teach the children, lead them and guide them in all truth. There is no age that is restricted for children to receive the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist received the Holy Spirit and he was an infant in his mother's womb. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So do not tell me two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, they're too young. Because we're not seeing that. We're actually seeing them worshiping. We're seeing two-year-olds worshiping on their own. Barely can walk and all in the glory. We're seeing three-year-olds and five-year-olds and four-year-olds laying on their faces before God. We're seeing eight-year-olds casting out demons. And I mean strong. I'm talking about better than, listen, some adults, some of y'all. <laughs> some of y'all have never cast out a devil. And I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be, well, well, you know, just be rude. I'm just trying to say, look what the kids are doing when they're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Let us see that and not go, well, it's on them now. That should stir you up for righteousness. I'm going to be doing a kids Core Kids Revival Summer Camp, the Lord told me. I'm going to be doing Core Kids uh, like Revival TV episodes on YouTube. I'm going to be doing Core Kids TikTok. I'm going where they are. And we're going to get our core kids who are on fire for God. They're not going to give you a little cute little dance, a little song. They're not into that. They don't care. They, they'll do that another time. But when it comes to revival, they're serious about it. They're going to cast the devil out. They're going to pray strong. They're going to be intercessors. They're going to witness. They're going to win souls. They were out there winning souls and laying people out in the glory that were in the hotel. They were not a part of the core or saved. And the kids were out doing this in the hotel. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? I'm doing kids revival camp. God told me to do it. I'm doing kids TikTok. I'm doing kids shows. I'm having somebody flying in next week and they're coming to film all the shows. We're bringing the Bloodline Breakers back but it's gonna be called Core Kids Bloodline Breakers uh, episodes. On January 17th of this year, Jenny Weaver posted a Facebook Live on her ministry page titled Kids Revival Movement is Here. And I just played some clips for you to get an idea of what she was talking about, as she did have some uh, YouTube videos that were called Bloodline Breaker Kids, but is now called Core Kids, as you heard at the very end. And she's focusing in this Facebook Live on kids revival and what she is saying that the Lord has said to her. She's even referring at one point to a prophecy that Cindy Jacobs released about three years ago. And she shared that in one of the YouTube videos that I watched recently from the Core Kids TV. And as I was watching these videos, I, I noticed some things in them that I wanted to talk about today and to talk about the importance of children's ministry and why it's so important that we pay, pay attention to what our kids are being taught and make sure that what they're being told is biblical and that they're hearing the gospel because that's the core, <laughs> no pun intended, of what they need to be hearing in order for them to understand a proper foundation of Christian faith. And so we're going to listen today to some clips from some of these episodes. Now, there's only five episodes that um, from the Core Kids TV that's currently available on YouTube. But I want to talk about some of these to point out some of the teachings that are going on. And then we're going to dissect some of these teachings a little bit. And we're going to see if they match up to what Scripture is saying. And we're going to look and see, is the gospel being presented to the children or is something else being presented to them? 
So I hope that you'll enjoy this episode today. I hope it'll be informative. And I hope that you'll open your Bible with me as we go along and that you value, if you have children or you have children that you care about in your life that are family members or friends or, or your own children, I hope that you'll care about what your children are being taught by others and that you're making sure that what they're being taught is sound biblical teaching. Hi there, and welcome to the Love Sick Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Sick Scribe. I appreciate you joining me today. And if you're uh, noticing my voice is a little different, it's because I have been battling with some respiratory issues. And um, and as a stay-at-home mom uh, with my children all day, one of my children has been sick, and I have uh, contracted the very same thing that that child had. So if you could just be praying for me, I would appreciate it. But I have been to the doctor and praise the Lord uh, for medications and praise the Lord for, giving, uh, for God giving doctors wisdom to know what to prescribe that will help help our bodies. So now that that's out of the way, on to the main topic at hand today. As a mother, I am very concerned about what my children are listening to and what they're being taught. And one of the things that I'm always wanting to be aware of and continue to be aware of is what they're being taught as far as uh, what the Bible says and making sure that they're not only learning about what Scripture has to say, and learning about the gospel and hearing the gospel at church on Sundays, in Sunday school, and in the main services at times, and, and during the praise and worship time, because let's be honest, um, uh, the music that a church sings, it demonstrates their doctrine, so that's important as well. But I also want to be cognizant of what my children are hearing at home, and making sure that when I'm homeschooling my daughter, for example, that I'm incorporating Bible into that, that we're talking about what is being talked about at church at the same time, and she's learning about that as we're going through the Bible studies there. We're staying on top of those and staying consistent, and we're talking about what Scripture says, um, making sure that she is open uh, to hear questions, um, to ask questions, and also, too, taking those opportunities throughout our time in our family and our day-to-day life to look for those opportunities to talk to her about something that's Christ-centered or Bible-centered that we can apply to our lives daily. And that doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen from time to time that we're able to do that. And so I want to take advantage of those moments, even when there's sin or mistakes that are made, whether it's on my part or her part, that we also take those opportunities to reflect on sound biblical teaching and how we can apply it to our lives and to grow in in maturity and make sure that she's hearing the gospel as well because she's 7 years old yes she is professing that she that Christ is her lord and savior but at the same time i understand that she's still young and i want to make sure that she has a a good solid understanding of that before she would even take the next step in getting such, such as water baptized I want to talk about this today because I did take time to look at Jenny Weaver's core group, Revival TV for Kids, and I wanted to share some of those things today with you and allow you to sit back and and look at them for yourself and see, okay, what is this about? And is this biblical teaching? Is, Is this something that is going to help to grow children in understanding the Word of God better correctly? Are they hearing the gospel? So we're going to take a look at that. Now, I did want to um, address one thing that uh, one of the clips that we heard in the beginning that Jenny mentioned about that people needed to go to the the scripture that says uh, you can't understand the word without the Holy Spirit. And I just wanted to mention that real quickly because I actually did look that up because I, I thought that that sounded familiar and it was actually not something that Jesus said. Uh, it is in First Corinthians chapter two verse fourteen, and so I wanted to read that. Because I think it is important that we understand this whenever we're looking at Scripture, that we want to make sure that we're understanding uh, the the context, the the audience, you know, different things. I know you probably heard on this podcast and certainly from reputable Bible teachers when you listen to them, is that you want to get the context, the audience, the the historical context, the proper application. But 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. 
which when you read this in context, it's actually talking about the difference between a person who is regenerated or born again and a person who is not. And that would be an unbeliever because the cross of Christ and the gospel is foolishness to those who do not believe. The only person that can really discern and accept the things that come from the Spirit of God is a person that is regenerated or born again. And I would just encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 2 and and see what this context of this is, because that's what it's talking about, is it's making that distinction between those that are foolish and will not accept because they don't have the Spirit of God. They're unregenerated or not born again or unbelievers versus those who are believers who can understand the things of the Spirit and they accept the things of what the Word of God says because the Holy Spirit is helping them to do so. When we're looking at some of these teachings today that Jenny offered, I want to tell uh, share the five that I saw today that just had to do with core kid revival. I didn't go back and look extensively at the bloodline breakers, but I really wanted to focus on what she is currently doing with it's every Saturday morning at 10 a.m., the Core Kids Revival TV. Now, I do want to say this up front, just so you know. They are available for free on YouTube. However, in order to be part of Core Kids, you um, have to have um, a parent, a mother, that joins the Core, the Women's Core Group. And in order to be part of the Core Group, the Women's Core Group, you have to pay $20 a month to be part of it. There's also a Men's Core Group, and I believe she said um, that that was a free group. So the Women's Core Group, that's more of a discipleship group, is the one that you actually have to pay for to be part of, a monthly membership. And again, it is $20 a month. And then from there, the children are called core children, as you heard her say. And in that video that I played, one of the clips I did not play, she talked about how the children are under the covering of the core ministry. And that it's under her and her husband, under uh, the leaders, under the parents. And so they said they're not going behind them and trying to immediately correct them or their verbiage as far as the children when they're ministering, but that they're under their covering. And so these are core kids. They're calling them core kids because their parents are part of the core group. And so they are coming under that. And that's how they're able to go to the free revival services that they're having, the the summer camp and such. One of the things that she talked about, she had a part one and two, uh, Breaking Witchcraft, part one and two. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute and just sum it up for you. And you're welcome to go and, and look for these online. You can find them on her YouTube page. So that way you can verify what I'm telling you. Please feel free to do that to, to make sure what I'm telling you is accurate. The next video she had, she had a word from God for the Core Kids TV. She had hearing God's voice. And so those are the ones I wanted to look at today. There were four of them, actually, that I wanted to look at. Now, she talked about the breaking witchcraft and the parts one and two. So I wanted to play a little bit of this for you here. This is from Breaking Witchcraft Part One. Let's go ahead and start working our way through this. Everybody, the core kids are revival kids. What does that mean? That means that they love the things of God. You love the things of God. They are passionate about God. They're on fire. They are moving and shaking things up in the world. They're not just sitting on a pew, just doing nothing. They want the real thing, the real fire of God. And we are seeing our core kids just doing miraculous things. Now, during this part one of Breaking Witchcraft, she goes on to read Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 26. Let's see what that has to say. This is a scripture, and it comes from Deuteronomy. That's a fun word to say. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 26. Chapter 7, verse 26. And this is what it says. Are you ready? Do not bring any detestable objects into your home. Another version says, do not bring cursed objects into your home, for then you'll be destroyed like them. You shall utterly detest such things, for they are set apart for destruction. What is this saying? Yeah, that's a great question. What is this saying? We're going to come back to that at the end after we listen to some of these clips and go over some of these things together. But she reads from Deuteronomy 7.26. So she reads from Deuteronomy 7.26, and she spoke about not allowing cursed items. She also says that you could maybe you could also word it as demonic things is what she says, inviting demons into you, into your home and talking about these different areas. Now, to her credit, let me say this. She does encourage the kids to read the Bible. 
And I do appreciate that, and, and I'm going to acknowledge that. She does encourage the kids to read the Bible, and that's very important. We need to be reading the, the Word of God. Though there's some things she talks about in another one of these episodes we'll get to here in just a little bit about hearing the voice of God. She talks about Deuteronomy 7.26, participating in such activities as healing crystals and the all-seeing eye and these different symbols that people can wear on necklaces and such that could represent areas of witchcraft or new age type of teachings. She talks about Ouija boards and horoscopes and such, and she talks about these in parts one and two, and she even shares her own testimony. But she talks about making making a choice, um, sharing her personal testimony, and she told the children to let her story save them trouble. And though I get what she's saying with that, we need to always keep in the forefront of our minds what actually saves people. Is it our testimony that saves people, or is it the gospel that saves people? We'll get there on that as well. As she goes on about 10 minutes into this particular episode, which these episodes are around 15 to 17 minutes long, she said this to the children about letting the Holy Spirit speak to them and, and to have other things happen. So this is usually a pattern that she seemed to have in these core kids TV shows is that she would do a little bit of teaching and then at the end she would do some praying, what she said was praying, but um, I'll, again, I'll touch on that. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but there are things that she's doing that I've recognized that I did myself when I was a part of this type of movement. And so that's why I wanted to talk about it today as well. But let's see what she has to say at the end of this session with the children, and, and we'll go from there. Holy Spirit, speak to you and ask him, what is it in my life, if anything, that I need to get rid of and get it out and break that contract with the devil? Why don't you just lift your hands up to the screen right now as we begin to pray. And I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to many of you right now. The Holy Spirit is touching your hearts right now. The Holy Spirit is highlighting things. He's bringing things to your mind right now that you might have in your life and you didn't even know that you need to get rid of. Even if it's a video game, even if it's one of your favorite books, even if it's one of your favorite shirts, God is speaking to you right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, we break all witchcraft, new age practices, occult activity, and the demonic realm now in the name of Jesus. I break it off of your life in Jesus' mighty name. We speak right now that the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus is touching you right now. Holy Spirit, show us what we need to get rid of. Show us any areas in our life where we have not fully submitted to you right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, why don't you stretch your hands and begin to pray in tongues. Pray in the Spirit with me. Now, in part two of the Breaking Witchcraft, the main verse that she focused on there was in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 31. I'm, I'm going to read this one to you. It says, Do not turn to mediums or spiritists. Do not seek them out to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Now, it was in this part two of Breaking Witchcraft, witchcraft, I, I noticed something interesting. It was the same pattern of teaching uh, a verse and expounding on a little bit, sharing some personal testimony, and then inviting the children to participate in putting their hands to the screen. And, and you'll hear that several times or stretching their hands forward and beginning to pray and to seek God on these matters. But there was something that she said to them about, um, she told them that they were already forgiven uh, for these particular things if they had participated in them what the truth is in your word and so father i thank you that right now you're forgiving that young lady you're forgiving that young man that might have dabbled in witchcraft and didn't even know it i just speak to you and i just say don't even think about it anymore you are forgiven that's washed away God has forgiven you. He loves you so much. He would let you watch this broadcast and hear these words. You are forgiven. As soon as you gave it to God, you said, God, I'm sorry. I don't want to be in that anymore. You're forgiven. Hallelujah. If you believe that, why don't you just let out the biggest shout that you have from your belly. Let out a big shout of amen in Jesus' mighty name. Yeah, so I guess the question I would have is how does she know that every person that was watching that, every child, every young person actually repented because there was there was no talk of repentance that was mentioned, no mention of this is sinful against God. As far as expounding on that, she did mention sin at one point in these videos, but there was no um, expounding on that and and really calling to repentance. 
and to automatically say that you're forgiven. And what if that person didn't ask for forgiveness? What if that person sees nothing wrong with what they're doing? That practice is perfectly fine. Then it's, I think that that's problematic. Uh, I'll just say that I think that that's highly problematic to say something like that. And it gives a false assurance to people when they're not presented with the gospel and for their reason, the reason, the why they need to repent um, of sin and rebellion against God. And again, we'll go back to these scriptures a little bit and expound on them some um, to talk just a little bit about them. And I'm going to encourage you to do your own Bible study, as always, to look further into them. But I, I did want to mention these two teachings together. Now, the next one that we'll talk about, she did a Core Kids Revival TV session with them talking about a word from God. And she tells them about what a prophetic word is. So today I want to talk to you about a prophetic word. What is a prophetic word? This is a word of the Lord that God gives to his children who are listening to him. And it is for a season. It is for a situation. It is for a group of people so that we can be directed into what God wants us to be directed into. And so God began to speak to me about a children's revival. There is a movement that is stirring right now amongst children. Listen, I've been saved for many years. I've seen the Holy Spirit moving on kids in different services. I love, love, love when kids come to a service and you can visit, we can actually visually see them being moved on by God. They begin to cry. Some of them fall out because the power of God is on them. They begin to go through deliverance. They begin to worship. They begin to prophesy. And it's amazing. And I've seen a little bit here and I've seen a little bit there. But the Lord began to speak to me about a massive kids movement where kids are going to blow the minds of the adults in the church world. Listen to what I'm saying. God is going to raise up kids. Doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your age from the youngest one to the oldest one. He's going to raise up children who will carry the fire of God, the revival fire of God, where we are, kids are actually moving and shaking up things. Do you believe it? Shout amen. We need the children to lead. And I want to give you an example. I want to give you an example of the scripture from Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6. And it says, and a child will lead them. A child would lead them. What does that mean? That means even children have leadership qualities in the things of God, in the realm of the Spirit of God. Children can lead. How can you lead? You can lead by example. If God tells you, go lay hands on that person and pray for them, pray sickness off of them, prophesy over them, you move and you do it unafraid, unashamed, and guess what? People are watching. They're going, wow. And then they begin to do it. So what you're doing is you are leading. And God said in his word, a child will lead them. And I hope that you have your Bibles ready after we get done listening to some of these clips, because we're going to come back to Isaiah chapter 11, verse six, and see what that full verse has to say and what the context of it is and talk about children leading um, and, and the kids revival that she's talking about. So wanted to share that one. And I misspoke that there are, um, I did say that there are five episodes of the core kids. That was correct. The lukewarm, there was a lukewarm one that she talked about. And uh, that was actually a core kids TV revival episode. I did listen to that. And she was expounding on uh, revelation where Jesus is talking to the church at Laodicea and he is, um, rebuking them for their lukewarmness. So we're not going to look at that episode. The four that we're going to focus on are the prophetic and the, uh, deliverance or the, the witchcraft, as I have talked a lot about those topics um, on these podcasts. The word from God, that was essentially what she talked about in this one, the kids revival movement. She did play the clip of Cindy Jacobs talking about the kids revival that was coming. And that uh, prophecy was three years ago, as we already mentioned. And um, she was uh, referring to Isaiah eleven six in order to support this claim that she had. The last episode we're going to listen to from Cora Kids TV Revival was called Hearing God's Voice. 
And so let's hear what she had to say about how to hear God's voice and the example that she used in this in hearing God's voice. I want to teach you guys today how to actually hear God's voice. This is so important for every Christian believer. You gotta be able to hear God's voice to know who he is, right? If I don't know my husband's voice and he comes to the door and he knocks on the door, who is it? And he says, it's me, Stephen. And I don't know his voice. I'm gonna be like, who? It's me, let me in, it's Steven. I don't know your voice. And then I won't be able to let him in. And therefore I cannot have any type of relationship with him. And it's the same with God's voice. And she then tells the children that she's gonna go up to a particular verse. And before she even went there, I kind of had an idea of where she was going because of the topic she was um, expounding on about hearing God's voice. And sure enough, she went to John 10, 27. And many of us have heard that passage. Uh, John 10, 27 is where Jesus is speaking. And he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And a lot of people have used that verse. A lot of people have used that verse in order to um, to proof text and to say that this is a verse that's talking about how you can hear the voice of God for yourself in, in this mystical way or in this personal way that you can hear God speaking to you and, and revealing things to you. Um, again, we'll go back to that in just a little bit. That, but like I said, that is a very commonly used verse for this type of teaching, for hearing the voice of God for yourself. About four and a half minutes in, she talks about what happens if you don't spend time with God versus when you do. And I just wanted to play this so you can kind of hear what, what this teaching sounded like for these children. Jesus is saying, my sheep, the people that say that they're Christians and believe in me, they know my voice. They know when I'm speaking. How? How? The way you get to know God's voice is by spending time with him. That's how I know my husband's voice. Because I've spent so much time with him. If you don't spend any time with God, how are you going to know him? Let me say that again. If you don't spend any time with God, you're not praying, you don't worship Him, you're not singing to Him, you're not listening to Him, you're not reading the Word, how are you gonna know Him? And let me tell you something kind of scary that is legit could happen, you ready? Then the enemy, the devil, could come in and he could try to trick you and make you think it's God's voice because he knows you don't really know. So when he went to Eve in the garden, he said, did God really say to do that? Did God really say not to eat the fruit? And what he was doing, he was testing her. Do you really know God's voice? And he found out that she really didn't. You ministered to him. Every time I'm singing to God, he's over there in heaven going, I love this. I love this. This is so great. And every time I'm just walking through my day, doing my own thing, playing my video games, talking with my friends, ignoring God, he's going, where are you? Won't you spend time with me? He's waiting. I don't like to keep a king waiting. That's not fair. Okay, so those were two different clips, as you could tell, that were put together. I, and I just want to say a couple of things about them. I do think it's important that we, obviously, that we have fellowship with God, that we are reading the word, we are studying the word, we are... Um, we're gathering with other believers that we are praying that we are worshiping God in, in different capacities, both in song and in the word and conduct in our lives, in word and deed. The things that I noticed when I was listening to this was, first of all, that the notion that Satan came to Eve and knew that she didn't know the voice of God, and that was the reason why that he was able to do what he did. Again, it seems as if, again, there's this whole ig ignoring of what really happened in the garden, which is sin and rebellion. They disobeyed God. They disregarded God's instructions. And instead, they heeded what Satan was saying to them and gave over to that. Instead of obeying God, they disobeyed God. That was what happened. It's not about them hearing the voice of God 
um, in the way that they should. It was about not obeying what God had said to them. And furthermore, this whole thing, it, it really was troubling to hear anyone the teaching. And again, it's not about the individual teaching this. This is about the teaching itself. When we have a teaching that makes God look like he's begging for us to pay attention to him, and that he's sitting there going, why won't you pay attention to me? Oh, and I just love it when you do. This is, make a, this is making a God of our own imagination. We most certainly are created to worship God. That is why we were created. We were created to worship God and to glorify him. God is not, he is not like us. His ways are not like us. His thoughts are not like ours. He's not like us in the sense that he's sitting up in heaven and he's going, oh, look, they're playing a video game. This kid's playing a video game. Oh, they're cleaning their house. Why won't they spend time with me? That's not God. God is all sufficient. He's self-sufficient and he does not need us. He doesn't need us. We need him. This whole idea that is made about God like this and then to teach this to children that God sees them this way and that this is how God is instead of focusing on his omniscience, omnipresence, his om- omnipotence, his holiness, he, that he's just, he is, he's most certainly loving, he's merciful and gracious. He's also wrathful, he's also just, he's also patient. There are so many different attributes to God that we can't just focus on certain ones that are easy to talk about and then avoid the other ones because we're dealing with children. There's still ways that we can talk about these things and we're not sugarcoating and we're not leaving out the important things that children need to hear as they're growing up and then adjusting it according to their age so that they're still hearing the gospel. The other thing too, and I know that some people will get upset hearing this and to honestly make the claims as she's making or anybody for that matter to say, well, two and three year olds are, they're full of the Holy Spirit and that they are just doing all these things. Listen, I was in some of these situations for years. My daughter was um, in the, in this church up until about three, when she was three years old before we left. I saw her do things. I saw her lift up her hands. I saw her lay on prayer requests. I saw her do different stuff like that. And it's because she was around that environment. Children are highly influenced. And at that age, they mimic what they see. My two-year-old right now, my two-year-old son, he mimics what he hears. He mimics what he sees. He's like a little parrot. That's what they do. And they're highly influenced um, at these ages. And that's why it's critical of what we're teaching them and the manners that we're teaching them just in general, the words that we're teaching them, how we're instilling certain things into them at a young age. But to make that claim, well, they are spirit filled then you can't make that claim because in order for a person to be spirit filled, they must be born again. They must be born again. And you can't just proof text something out of a passage because of dealing with John the Baptist that you make such a claim like that. Lifting one's hands and having an experience does not make one spirit-filled. And that's the concern I have as well in these uh, movements where the experience is stressed. That if you don't have some sort of supernatural experience, you don't really know God. What's going to happen to these young people when they don't feel anything? And then they're not certain that they really know God because they're not having an experience. And people will argue and say, well, that's not the, that's not true and that's not the case, but it is because experience is highlighted. It's, it's strongly stressed in these movements of having this experience with God. And so it's not the fruit of someone that's spirit-filled. Again, that's a concern that I have with some of these young people is what happens when they don't have that anymore? What happens when they don't have those experiences and those goosebumps and the weeping and the crying and the lifting hands and all this stuff that, that they've had before? That's not going to stand the test of time for them. And just because they're children, listen, we need to understand this. Children are sinners, Children are sinners. If you've been around children for five minutes, you will know that they are selfish. They are, they care about what they want because that they're children, they're immature. And us adults are like that sometimes too, but we know how children are. And if anything, when we see how our children are and they disobey, they disobey their parents, that's sin. They lie. That's sin. And I know people are going to say, well, adults do that too. Yes, we do. But my point in saying all this is that we sometimes tend to forget 
that our children need to hear the gospel. They need to hear the full gospel, not a partial gospel, but they need to hear the full gospel that's appropriate for them to to understand in their age, but not diminish it in any way. They need to hear the gospel because they are sinners, and we must acknowledge that. They're children, but they're sinners. And so we can't afford to not minister the gospel to them and just share with them the exciting parts, but leave out the parts that are hard and difficult because then we're shortchanging them and then we're not giving them the gospel. We're giving them another gospel is what's happening. As she goes on to talk about hearing God's voice, shares with the children ways to hear from God, such as an internal voice, which she says many times can sound like your own voice. I used to teach that as well. Um, a lot of people will rely on the passage in Kings. I think it's First Kings 17, I believe, where Elijah is in the cave and the still small voice. But notice that that was not an internal voice that, that Elijah heard. That was an audible uh, external voice that, that Elijah heard. She does say a way you hear from God is through his word. So again, I appreciate that. But she's using that as one of the many ways that you could most certainly hear from God. She said that God speaks through prophets today and that we get to hear from these prophets what God is really saying. And she said that dreams and visions are another way and she encourages the children to write them down. She also tells them to put their hands on the screen or point to, uh, stretch into the screen while she prays and she commands spiritual ears to open and she silenced the devil. And she declared God in this particular episode that he was loosing his power and she said that dreams would be activated. And I'm sure that there is much more that could be examined from these teachings, but I wanted to touch on these in light of the current claims and to discuss how we are to minister to children and the importance of sharing the word of God to them properly. So with that, we're going to back up some and we're going to look at a few of these passages that she referenced and to see what the context of them is, because it is very important that we understand the context whenever someone, including myself, is mentioning scripture. Now, first off, in the Breaking Witchcraft episode, uh, episode one, or part one, she talked about Deuteronomy 7.26, and so I wanted to read that again, and so we can talk a little bit about the general context of this, and it's always good to read the entire chapter on your own and, and see what God is saying in this. But in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 26, the, the verse says, you shall not bring an abomination into your house and like it come under the ban. You shall utterly detest it, and you shall utterly abhor it, for it is something banned. Now, when you back up, you go to verse 25, for example. It's always good to, in in general, to kind of get an idea of what's going on. You see here in verse 25, the graven image of their gods you are to burn with fire. You shall not covet the silver or the gold that is on them, nor take it for yourselves, or you will be snared by it, for it is an abomination to the Lord your God. So this is the abomination that God is talking about in this particular verse to the Israelites. That is the audience that he is addressing. He's getting them prepared to go into his promises, into the promised land. And he's telling them that he is going to clear the way. um, He's going to clear away the nations before them little by little. And he tells them earlier on in verse 22, you will not be able to put an end to them quickly for the wild beasts would grow too numerous for you. But the Lord your God will deliver them before you and will throw them into great confusion until they are destroyed. And he says he will deliver their kings into your hands so that you will make their name perish from under heaven. No man will be able to stand before you until you have destroyed them. And so God is preparing them to essentially, he wants them to reject idolatry. This is what this boils down to. These other nations were idolatrous, paganistic people. They did not worship the true living God. And God's people are to be sanctified. We are to be set apart. And that's what God had designed even in the Old Testament for the Jewish people, the Israelites, is that he wanted them sanctified, set apart. He did not want them to participate in these types of things. So this is the context of Deuteronomy 7.26. When you look at it, this is talking about idolatry. And that God did not want them participating in this. This is not talking about you getting rid of your crystals and and having these other things, though those certain things can certainly be idolatrous. Anything can become an idol that takes our affection away from God, that takes what we view as being uh, lifted up and exalted. We can do that to anything, that anything can become an idol. This is talking about idolatry. And I want you all to understand, too, when you look at different translations of it, it talks about uh, this is a cursed object. This does not say that it's 
certainly worshiping these uh, those things could have been worshiping demons, most certainly. Um, but these things that are cursed, the actual definition from that, from what I've uh, looked up, it means that it's set aside for destruction. So these things were that were banned were set aside for destruction because they were idols and they were not to be uh, kept. And so that's what that means about them being banned or being cursed. It doesn't always mean that there's a, a demon attached to it and that a demon's looking at that and saying, oh, that belongs to me. And so now I can come into you or I can come into your home and do that. It seems as if these types of teachings are more akin to paganistic, occultic practices, new age practices than biblical Christianity. And it, it sets people up to create these superstitious ways of having these things, whereas we should be teaching our children, mom and dad believe this, we are born again believers. And this is this is what we believe. This is the gospel. And because of that, when we're sharing and reading the Bible to them, even in Deuteronomy, when you see, as we'll hear in just a little bit from another minister, God reminded the, the Israelites that they needed to share God's instructions and his commands from his word with their children. To pass them down. And that's what we should be doing. We should be sharing the word with them. We should be reading the Bible with them, encouraging them to read the word of God on their own when at the age that they can read. So that way they understand God's ways and they know who God is. And reading the word of God is fellowshipping with God, knowing knowing for certain what he loves and what he hates and not coming up with it on our own or hearing our own internal voice and thinking that we know what God loves and hates. What if we're, what if we hear something internally that disagrees with scripture? The word of God is our ultimate standard that we go to, to understand what God has said. And so that's for Deuteronomy seven twenty six. She also mentioned Leviticus nineteen thirty one, which I read and it even goes on in Leviticus chapter 20, um, verse 6 and 7. And I wanted to read that because she talked about uh, do not turn to mediums in verse 31 or spiritists. Do not seek them out to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. And again, God did not want them going to someone else. He didn't want them going to another mediator. You know, we know that there's one mediator between God and man, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that the New Testament tells us in Timothy. But we see here that he tells them specifically not to go to mediums or spiritists. And, and then in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 6, he says, As for the person who turns to mediums and to spiritists to play the harlot after them, I will also set my face against that person and will cut him off from among his people. In verse 7, he says, You shall consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Verse 8, you shall keep my statutes and practice them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. So God is showing them again, I set you apart. I sanctify you, which is what sanctify means. It means to set apart. The people of God, born again believers, are to be set apart. We are not to participate in these things because these are worldly pagan ways. And they lead ultimately to idolatry and to spiritual adultery against God. God is saying here, as for the person who turns the mediums into spiritists to play the harlot after them. This is alluding to spiritual adultery. And this is talked about a lot in the Old Testament when God is addressing the Israelites. So we see here that God views that as adultery, as spiritual adultery. And we can, again, you can see this Old Testament, New Testament. This is why marriage is so important to understand natural marriage and how this relates to uh, the body of Christ. We can see this in Ephesians 5 between the body of Christ and Christ himself as the bridegroom. These are all really important things for us to study and to understand and really helps us to value marriage, which is another topic for another day. Why God values and esteems marriage the way he does, because it is a demonstration of his relationship with the church and with, with Christ himself. The next verse I wanted to touch on was her reference to Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6. And I wanted to read that verse in its fullness because what she read was not the full verse of, of Isaiah eleven six. This was in reference to the kids revival movement that she said that the Lord had told her about and that this was a word from God. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6. This chapter is talking about the righteous reign of the branch is what this particular translation that I have titles this as, which we know that the titles there are not divinely inspired. This is to try to help us understand, get a gist of what's going on. But Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6 says, And the wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the youngest goat, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little boy will lead them. 
That's what it says. <laughs> and a little boy will lead them. Other translations say, and a child will lead them. Now, the context of this, all that she read was the last part, and a child will lead them. And use that to say that the children should lead. And I actually disagree. I don't think children should lead. I think that we should train them up to be leaders, to teach them what that looks like. But scripture does not agree with that. And even if you go back to, for example, if you go into Isaiah chapter 3, verse 12, I mean, we can, we can find a verse that says, Oh, my people, their oppressors are children. And women rule over them. Oh, my people, those who guide you, lead you astray and confuse the direction of your paths. When we understand this in in this verse, that children and women were considered ill-suited for governmental leadership. So they figuratively depicted the incompetent rulers that's talked about in Isaiah 3. And children should not be put in a position to where they're leading revival or they're leading a movement or anything like that. And they need to, there needs to be proper order. I would disagree with saying that the children need to lead. That That is highly problematic because they are not spiritually mature enough to know how to do that. And there's a reason why there are boundaries set in the Word of God for leadership um, that are established in the Word for leadership. And we want to teach our children God's ways, and we want to che- teach Him his, his instructions. And we want to teach them how to be good leaders, good servants, good uh, people in the community, good stewards over things. We want them to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. We can't do that for them. Just because that we take them to church does not mean that they're automatically saved. That does not mean that they're automatically born again. They must hear the gospel in order to be able to receive what Christ has done for them. They must have. They must hear that word ministered to them, and we can't force them to receive Christ. That's a work that God does in the life of a spiritually dead person, and that includes children. Our children are not immediately born again when they come out of the womb. They need the gospel just as much as we need to hear it. So this teaching that, that children need to lead I don't agree with that. They need godly leadership in their lives that understand the boundaries of Scripture and what that leadership is supposed to look like and obeying God's instructions in His Word to understand that leadership. And furthermore, Isaiah eleven six does not support that claim, because when you read that in context, that's actually talking about a future event. That's talking about the millennial reign uh, when that's going on. Some, some scholars have pointed to that because you're talking about three different examples of predator and prey mentioned in Isaiah eleven six before it even says that a child will lead them. The child is not leading people. The child is leading those animals. And this shows that this peaceful, harmonious, in a biblical way, environment that's taking place. And so this is a, a futuristic. So I hope that that makes sense, because we have to be sure that we're reading the full verse, and that verse was not fully read. The last verse I wanted to talk about was John ten twenty seven. hearing God's voice, as I mentioned before, that so many times that I'm sure lots of us have heard that. And this is in, in dealing with the parable of the Good Shepherd when Jesus is reading this. This is a beautiful passage, by the way, in John 10, in listening to what Jesus has to say and addressing the false teachers and the, the, what they were doing and bringing in and the hirelings versus the Good Shepherd, who is Jesus. And this is one of the I am's that he references himself to be in the Gospel of John. Um, I am the Good Shepherd is what he says. When we start in verse 22 of chapter 10, he says, At that time, the Feast of the Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. And the Jews then gathered around him and were saying to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And it was at that point that the Jews picked up stones to stone Jesus because they understood that he was making himself equal with God the Father. And I want you to catch something here. That verse, those passages actually, that's salvific. He's presenting the gospel to them and presenting eternal security. They didn't understand it. They were blind, spiritually blind to it, and they did not receive it. 
They were not his sheep, as he told them. He said, you are not my sheep because you're not listening to me. This is not a mystical thing of hearing the voice of God and teaching our children. This is how you hear the voice of God for yourself. We teach our children to go to scripture to know what God's word says. And they know this because they read his word and meditate on it and study it. That's where we need to be directing our children. Now, I do agree with Jenny that we should not be participating in practicing such things as horoscopes, tarot cards, going to psychics, going to mediums, trying to to communicate with the dead, because scripture says not to do that. I agree with that. As children of God, as born again believers, we are to be sanctified and we are not to be, uh, uh, we are in the world, but we are not of it. We are not to participate in these things. And God has sanctified his people and continues to sanctify his people by his word and by his spirit. And Jenny told the children they are being raised up to be deliverers. To a certain point, I understand that God will use us to minister his gospel and use us to minister salvation to people. Perhaps we need to be teaching our children about God being the deliverer, because it seems like in general that there is this teaching of us almost being the hero or the heroine. And we're the ones that come in and sweep in and save the day. And we're the ones that are so powerful and so um, infused with this power of God and this anointing. People keep focusing on, you must have the anointing. You must have this. You must have that. And also people will separate the spirit from the word, as I've mentioned. And you can't do that because the spirit authored the word of God that's written. And we know that Jesus is the word of God. There is this superhero mentality that we have in these types of movements. And we're telling people, now we're telling children, you know, you can be the deliverer. You get to deliver. You get to break the bloodline curse in your family. No, actually, Jesus did that. He redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He is my bloodline breaker. I I am not the bloodline breaker. I am the one in need of the bloodline breaker, and that is Christ. And that is who you need as well. Our children need to understand when it's appropriate. Some of us that have come out of dysfunctional um, childhoods have had bad things happen to us that were difficult. If we feel comfortable sharing those things with our children, then we can, but we can always point back to God's redemptive power in our lives and give him the glory for that and show how he has brought, made um, beauty from ashes, how he has transformed our lives to where we want to glorify Christ. And let me say this too, and I know I've said this before, but sharing personal testimonies is not the gospel. That's great, and we can encourage other people with our testimonies. We can encourage our children with our testimonies. But your testimony and my testimony is not the gospel. And if all we're doing is sharing our personal testimonies without the gospel, then we've done a disservice to our children and to those that are listening. If it's all about, you got to hear how God changed me and transformed me and what he did in my life, and then you're just going to say, yeah, God loves you, and, and he wants, and he's got great purposes and plans for you, and there's no gospel, there's no cross, there's no sin, there's no repentance, there's the wrath of God abides on you apart from Christ. You are dead in your sins, you're dead in your trespasses. You need Christ to redeem you, to raise you from spiritual death unto life. If you don't, you're going to perish, you're going to spend an eternity in hell without him. There's none of that. There's none of this. You are a sinner and in your, you're in rebellion against God. You're disobedient. You need Christ to reconcile you and to save you and to cleanse you from unrighteousness. If, that, if the gospel is not being presented and talking about why Jesus came to die, why he was buried and why he rose from the dead and, and why that's important and why that's necessary for people to have eternal life and to be forgiven of sins, then we've not ministered the gospel. So testimonies are encouraging and they're great, but they're not the gospel. And that was that's another thing that, that stands out to me when, when things are being said to children and other people like this is that when we're sharing something that's that's vacant of the of the cross, that's vacant of sin, that's vacant of our need for forgiveness from sin and rebellion against God, that's vacant of the gospel, then there's no gospel or scarily there's even more so there's another gospel being presented, which is a crossless gospel. That's terrifying to think about that, that people are hearing that, let alone children. And what concerned me is the lack of the gospel. Uh, I listened to these videos, and during the Breaking Witchcraft video, children were told they were forgiven 
uh, as I said, yet there was no call to repent. There was no cross, no sin. There was an assumption that they were forgiven. It was almost as if that, that she was saying, I'm declaring that you're forgiven. Christ says we're forgiven. And in order to say that, we are forgiven because we're putting our faith in him to save us from the wrath of God and to cleanse us from unrighteousness that can only come through his atonement on the cross. Jenny said in one of her videos that she wanted the children to share and like the videos so more people will hear the gospel. But the gospel was not even presented in that video when she said that. And she calls these things a sin, but she did not proclaim the gospel. Instead, what was proclaimed was the law without the gospel. We can most certainly glean from the Old Testament, and we cannot separate the Old Testament from the New Testament. We need both. Having said that, when all you're sharing is what Deuteronomy has to say or Leviticus has to say, and you're not giving the op- the, the complementary part to it, which is the gospel, then all you're presenting is the law. And the law can't save you. The law has a, is a mirror that is shined up to your face that shows you that you will never measure up to this, and this is why you need Christ. But the law, apart from the gospel, is legalism, charismatic legalism. And if there's no gospel there and there's no cross, no Christ crucified that's ministered, all you're presenting is the law. And telling children you need to be all in, what does that mean? I get it. To a certain point, again, I get it. We want to, God doesn't just want part of us. He wants us Completely. I understand that, that we are not our own. When we are born again, we've been bought at a price. Our life is not our own. We don't belong to ourselves. Telling people, well, you know, you've got to be all in. If you tell a child, let alone an adult that, and you don't provide biblical understanding what that means to live a crucified life, to understand that you're going to go through progressive sanctification, that there's going to be things in you that God is going to, that they're going to die, that the, that Holy, the Holy Spirit's going to help you to kill sin. As Romans 8, 13 talks about, if we don't have a proper understanding of this, then all this word does is saying, well, you just got to be all in. You just got to do all this. You've got to do the A, B, and C. And if you don't do these things, then you're not all in. Again, this produces legalistic ways. It does not produce freedom. We've got to have a proper biblical understanding of this. And so to end this episode today, I wanted to share a four-minute clip with you from Costi Hinn that talks about ministering the gospel to your children. I think this is a great way to end. It's concise, and I think it's going to help you, and it certainly helped me when I listened to it. So let's have a listen to what Costi Hinn has to say about sharing the gospel with your children. Number one, stop overthinking it. You don't need to hold a Billy Graham crusade in your living room or do an altar call. You don't need to be an eloquent evangelist with the perfect hook and the perfect illustration and the slam dunk moment where you break your kid down and they're weeping like an old Pentecostal revival. Deuteronomy 6 verse 6 and 7 says it this way, These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk to them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. That's God guiding Israel on how to teach their kids the Mosaic Law. How easy is that to apply to sharing the gospel of grace with our kids? You talk about life's moments. You bring up when sin takes us captive. Then you highlight bad news and that we're all sinners. In Romans 3.23, the Bible says that. When they succeed, you help them glorify God. When they wonder why you go to church, you answer it. When they see a homeless person on the curb, or even when they wash their hands, the gospel is in everyday life. Recently, out of nowhere, my seven-year-old son was doing just that. He's washing his hands, and it hit him. He said, Mom, the water and washing the soap and dirt off of my hands is like Jesus' blood washing my sins away. Oh, did we cue the music and cue the altar call? No, you just praise God for another everyday moment where gospel conversations meet real life application. Number two, ask questions. Most parents are really good at one-way conversations. I talk, you listen, I command, you obey, but sharing the gospel with your kids is more than a monologue, it's a dialogue. Read a Bible story and ask them what they think about it. Share a verse and ask them what specific word or concept means. If they say, I don't know, ask them if they'd like you to teach them. Share a moment that happened in your day and ask them how they would have handled it. 
Ask them if they feel lonely, afraid, excited, confident, invincible, angry, sad, happy, or anxious. Questions help us understand how our kids feel and provide us with opportunities to shape what they know. Finally, you gotta know the gospel. This isn't to heap loads of undue pressure on you, it's just the loving truth. You are the ceiling on this whole process. If you're a parent, what you know dictates how much you can teach. And you know that, which is why you're watching this video. So here are four categories to learn and walk your kids through. I challenge you to memorize the sub points so you can make a beeline to any element of the gospel anytime you need to with your kids. This visual is on our website and our Instagram feed if you wanna keep it handy. First, God. God is the creator, Genesis 1.1. God is holy, 1 John 1.5 and Matthew 5.48. And God requires perfect obedience to his law, James 2.10. Second, man. Man has broken God's law, Romans 3.10 and Romans 3.23. Man will pay the eternal penalty for sin, Romans 6.23. Man cannot save himself by good works, Titus 3.5. Next, Christ. Christ came to earth as both God and sinless man, Colossians 2.9. Christ demonstrated God's love by dying on the cross to pay sin's penalty, Romans 5.8 and 2 Corinthians 5.21. Christ rose from the grave and he's alive today, 1 Corinthians 15.4. And finally, response. We as sinners must respond in repentance of all that dishonors God, Isaiah 55.7 and Luke 9.23 remind us of that. We as sinners must respond in belief in Christ as Lord and Savior, Romans 10, 9. God, man, Christ, response. You can do it. Your kids need the gospel. Teach it to them. And with that, I think that's a great place for us to stop. I hope that you found this episode helpful today. If you would like, you can feel free to email me at dawn at lovesubscribe.com if you have questions or have any thoughts that you want to share. And if you've enjoyed these episodes, I hope that you'll consider leaving a five-star review so that way others can find this podcast and hopefully it will help others um, in their journey as well if they're coming out of this movement and maybe help them to uh, answer some questions for them and to uh, ultimately guide them back to scripture. And as always, I've enjoyed my time with you. And I look forward to next time as we look at another topic and we search the scriptures to see what the word of God has to say and that Christ would be glorified in all that we do. Be blessed today by the truth of God's word. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesickscribe. And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesubscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.